The Infertility Podcast is a place of inspiration for every season in life, a resource where listeners can be encouraged to push past obstacles and be motivated by individual stories. The premise of infertility is understanding the season you are in and realizing that there are strategies that can be implemented to enjoy a fertile season. Now on with the show. Welcome to another episode of the Infertility Podcast. Today, I have another special guest, and this guest, we go back to our college days at the University of South Florida. So Jeff, thank you so much for joining. Um, I wanted to give you an opportunity before we get into the interview to give a brief description of who you are, what you do, any personal or professional highlights that you would like to share, and then we will um, get into these questions. Hey, Danielle, thanks for having me on the show. Um, I really do appreciate this invitation and a chance to actually speak on the podcast. I see it all the time and get to listen to it. So you're doing a good job over here. Um, As far as me, I graduated from medical medical school back in 2017 and have been working doing pain management and dabbling in oncology as well. Um, Pushing forward, I've also been in a women's clinic. I have been featured on CNN, Telemundo, and also I wanna say ABC6, can't remember. That's how bad I am sometimes at these, but um, (laughs) yeah, I do do know, I do get around and I try to um, drop clinical knowledge if I can at any time, so thanks again. Awesome. Thank you for joining. Okay, so we're going to get into our discussion for this episode, and we're really focusing on infertility. Um, So I wanted to ask, you know, you kind of said this in your intro, um, but you touched on the fact that you helped with within a women's clinic. So what has been your focus and expertise within the medical field? So within medicine, I did start out with doing pain management. And like I said, I also alongside oncology. So with that being said, I can go into a women's clinic and I do deal with a lot of patients that are dealing with um, either ovarian cysts or fibroids or things of that nature. Um, I get to see a lot of things because these do affect reproductive organs. Right. Definitely. Definitely. So um, on this podcast, uh, we've spoken about the fact that infertility as a whole, it's a taboo subject. So um, in doing research over time, I found that 55% of white women have spoken to family and friends about their journey in fertility, whereas black women are at about 37%. Um, And I said this episode, we were focused on minority women and so my question for you is why do you feel that infertility is such a taboo subject um honestly i just think it's the pressures especially coming from a cultural stand base mm-hmm. i am and so once you get past a certain age it's like why don't you have any kids when are the kids coming especially <laughs> just being of caribbean descent so you know it's always going to come in and working in the clinic in atlanta georgia the majority of our um, patients are minority based and black. So that is a lot of the conversation that comes on. So it's just a pressure of when are you having these kids? When are you having these kids? And if it comes into a point where you cannot, then you start to feel less of. Right. You know? Definitely. So. 
Yeah. And, and having those conversations with, you know, because we're both from Caribbean descent, so we can kind of speak to this. But having those kind of kind of conversations with friends and family, it could be uncomfortable. Um, and, you know, our culture doesn't help us because, you know, when you're not married, they're talking about when are you going to get married? When you get married, it's like, okay, when are you going to have a kid? When you have a kid, when's the second one coming? So we get no breaks. Um, so there is a lot of um, guilt. There is a lot of shame that surrounds this topic. Um, and so I appreciate your, you answering um, this question. So how often do you assist women dealing with infertility and what are some common things that you see? And honestly, if I am at the clinic, let's say out of the month, or let's, let's even break it down to a week. If it's out of the week and I'm seeing 20 patients per day, probably out of those 20 patients, five to six sometimes are dealing with infertility issues wow. and that's stemming from amenorrhea to PCOS to um, just long-standing STDs or just not even understanding about sexual health. So you, I, it's, it's very common and they, it also goes into like the areas that you're in and it comes into education. And so you're, it, it's, it's really out there and, it's a shame, like you were saying, that people are being shamed for these things because it, it dwells down and even stepping into like mental health and mental instabilities. Mm -hmm. So it's, um, it's a rough path. And I try to have the conversations even with my friends, like, you know, some jokes you'll say or you'll hear, and then you have to realize you don't know what the person is actually going through beside you. Right. You know, and then that makes the um, the taboo even worse because now you're just like, Haha. it's like you, you try to laugh it off knowing that this is something that you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And you touch on something that's big and, and it's a topic we haven't covered on this podcast, but it is about STDs and sexual transmitted diseases affecting reproductive health. And oftentimes, if you look at some of the STDs that are out there, some of them do not have symptoms. And so women go along, you know, life thinking everything is fine, everything is grand. And it's not until they are trying to embark in um, the journey of trying to conceive that they realize, hey, I may have had an STD, you know, years ago, and now it's caused an issue with my fallopian tubes or what have you. Yeah. And yeah. that actually comes into play because a lot of people have a long standing STDs, like you mentioned, or they'll go and they'll be asymptomatic. You know, yes. they don't, they're not getting any discharges. They're not having any um, menstrual bleeds or heavy menstrual bleeding or anything like that coming from it. So you can get um, pelvic inflammatory disease, which is PID, mm -hmm. and you can also have chlamydia, and that really affects the, the tubes. Yeah. So yeah. once that happens, the scarring takes place, and those, the, once the, the egg actually becomes fertilized, there's no way for it to travel. Definitely. So it's actually stuck in the tube. So you have a lot of other things that can take place. And even with people that, um, you don't, they don't realize like every single minute you catch, um, you're having even issues with like BV and things going way up your, your, your ureter or your, your urethra because you've been like, I guess, um, you just stayed with it for so long. You've it become kind of like a norm because a lot of patients do see it as a norm. If something's not wrong, they feel like, that's the time when something's wrong. So anything normal to them is wrong because wow. it, it just comes on taking place. So yeah, sometimes it's sad, but it comes down to the education. 
Definitely. definitely. So you stated um, earlier that you have seen women with PCOS and just in case anyone is joining um, the podcast for the first time, um, PCOS PCOS is one of the most common causes of female infertility and it affects between six to 12% of women. So nearly 5 million women deal with PCOS. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Jeff, what are some things uh, women can do medically or even within their lifestyle to help when dealing with PCOS? Okay. So PCOS, if you say like people haven't, may have not heard before, so it stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And what that really is a background, quick background on it is there can be a lot of multiple cysts, which the poly would come from that's actually around your ovaries. And with that happening, if you are partaking in uh, intercourse, the semen actually cannot fertilize that egg because it's blocked at the time. So a lot of things that come in to, um, I, I guess as risk factors or symptoms as you, as we could call it would be obesity mm-hmm. that comes in, um, excess androgen that could, that can come in, um, acne, you'll see that male pattern baldness, but a lot of times it's ha- it has to do with insulin, thyroids and diabetes. So what I would tell people is lifestyle change is a must because even if you lose 5% of body fat, it can be tremendous, mm-hmm. tremendous in dealing with PCOS. Um, you can really see a big turnaround. And these people, if they do have diabetes or maybe they may not have diabetes, but you know, common treatments are birth control. At times it's sad because it's a catch-22 because with the birth control, it, it goes in and it shrinks these cysts. But yes. at the same time, you're on birth control. So it becomes a little sticky in an area. So you'll try to give like a common, um, a combination, I should say, of birth control and metformin, which metformin is usually for insulin resistance and diabetics. But what that can do is actually play around with your hormones. So while it is treating, it can also give time for, you know, ovulation or something to actually go in for you to actually, um, be fertilized and reproduce. Perfect. Yes. Um, I, I believe we've talked about um, birth control and metformin as one of the ways to deal with PCOS. Um, and, you know, for most medical professionals, it's probably like the go-to thing. Um, and it has helped a lot of women. Um, so if you are struggling with PCOS, um, please, you know, consider the advice, the medical advice, and also look for lifestyle um, changes that can be made. So for our um, vitamins, all right, so what are some vitamins, lifestyle changes women and men can make when trying to conceive? So vitamin-wise, i still just say stick to a regular multivitamin just for natural health across the board. Um, I have seen some studies that talk about omega-3s may help. I haven't seen anything proven, though. So that okay. is kind of like the hardest part to, to go about um, stating back because I, I do have my medical degree, but I have grown up with uh, my family members being Jamaican. So mm-hmm. they, do, um, they will push something called maca root, which is M-A-C-A root. Mm-hmm. And that does aid in um, sexual benefits, health benefits. So that is another thing that I'll say, hey, you can go ahead and give it a try. Nothing is solid. Nothing's like 100% when it comes to the natural ways as far as research wise, but that is usually what I would recommend. It doesn't hurt. Yeah. And like you said, um, 
working out, losing weight is always a plus um, in dealing with this um, journey of infertility. Mm-hmm. So one of the things um, that has been brought up in previous episodes, and I don't think we've really delved into it um, too much, but if you are able, can you explain the difference between IUI and IVF? Sure. So IVF is um, in vitro. So that usually is, um, it It gives a bad connotation because sometimes that's what people call test tube babies and it's horrible for, to even say it like that. But realistically, it is actually taking the right egg and the right sperm and actually putting in a Petri dish and fertilizing it that way. Um, the cost of that is usually what puts things aside because that's a minimum of about $20,000 and you are looking at cycles of that. Wow. For IUIs, it kind of bypasses intercourse and just kind of triggers that ovulation. So cost for that usually is a lot cheaper, between five to four thousand, five hundred to four thousand dollars, and it can range anywhere in between there. And you have to go through cycles of that as well. Um, people usually stick to IVF, and another reason for that is just because you know you're taking it directly out, and if you have tubular issues people go to IVF as well because it bypasses the scarring. It bypasses the fallopians. And if you've had like long-standing like STDs, like we said before, as far as chlamydia and PIDs, these are usually the ones that are going in there and giving you the um, the scar tissue and the buildup. Awesome. So I appreciate that because um, for some time I was using them interchangeably and then realized, hey, they're two different things. Um, So I appreciate you providing um, the differentiation between those two. So if a couple is considering IUI or IVF, um, what are some things they should consider during the journey? Um, You've talked about the investment, um, but if you could speak to not only the investment, but the length of time um, for each process. Now that goes with each individual person. So the length of time can vary. And you just have to remember patience is a virtue, especially when it comes to something like this. You don't want to add in more stress. And this, and, and I'm really talking to your male followers at this point in time because it, it's so much already for the woman. You, know, you already have to think about the pressures that she has from society, the pressures that she sees with all her friends if they're getting pregnant, if they're having babies. They're going to pay attention to that more than their male counterparts. So it's really for the man to really step up and be that supportive character behind and the real backbone and understand like, you know, Hey, we're just trying. Um, it'll work out. Things will get better. And if it, and even if it doesn't be able to be that, um, that supportive voice. Right. You know, so I think that is uh, one of really, really, really the biggest things. Um, and honestly, I would always refer someone to a psychologist, like speak this out, reproductive psychologist. Yes, definitely. Um, And full disclosure, uh, Woody and I have um, obtained a um, counselor for um, specifically for fertility. um, And she has been amazing. Um, Just like logged on to um, Therapy for Black Girls on IG, you know, use the link on their site and then um, found someone that specializes in that area. So the support is out there. And I think oftentimes going back to our earlier conversation of this being a taboo um, subject, so is mental health, you know. Um, But if you're stressed, you know, it's 
it's going to affect your body. And so it's important to deal with mental health first in order to make sure things are aligned. Okay. Um, let me see. So when, you know, we, we've, we speak to the women, you know, they are kind of our target audience for this um, podcast, but I do have some male listeners. So um, I wanted to ask you, what are some questions men should ask during this journey in trying to conceive? Men need to once again, focus on the matter at hand and focus on being more supportive. And that's only saying if the issue is not with the man himself. So, I feel as though both parties at the time should go check, should, should get checked, male or female, and then don't hold anybody at any type of um, any type of pedestal or have them like by lock and key because this is this is an issue with them. It's not an issue with them. You're in a relationship, so it's an issue with both of you guys. Yeah. You know, so that's how it should be approached. Um, and as a man coming from my perspective, like I can't, you can't tell a woman how to feel about a situation, you know? And Mm -hmm. especially when you guys are together as one, you just have to kind of go through it. So the questions that they should try to do is, um, hey, what books can I read to figure out more about this? Um, Are there any studies out there that are talking more about this? Um, Is there just any type of more knowledge? Knowledge is really key when it comes to this. And like you said, having a counselor is amazing because they're at the, they're at the, your fingertips. Definitely. Um, and I really appreciate you talking about literature and books as oftentimes we're trying to find the quick answer. Um, mm-hmm. and it's really good to, to be in a position to read and to be more knowledgeable on this subject. Cause a lot of people, you know, you have in your mind, Hey, I'm going to get married. We might wait a, week, a year and then we'll have kids and you think it's going to happen so quickly and so rapidly and then mm-hmm. that not happen. And so it's important that we re-educate ourselves. Yep. So what research are you aware of in regards to fertility? So there has actually been no change from what I have seen as of recent. Um, can't really quote me on that because research changes by the day. But to stay actually abrupt on everything, I usually go to even scholar.google and you can type in, you know, infertility, you can type in in vitro, you can type in anovulation because, you know, with these, that's a lot of irregular periods, cyclic um, imbalances, and just a lot of irregularities. And even for men, they should also look into um, narrow urethras or um, just other things with hormones. So right. it, this could be a thyroid issue. You know, you just, it can come from so many places. So you just have to be willing to go out there and search for this information. So I always tell people to start from there. There's also sites called like JAMA, J-A-M-A. And that's where I go to also um, Frontier. And these are good websites that you can, at the drop of a dime in your spare time, you can literally open up your phone and check it out. And it provides more um, in-depth research of, of this yeah. topic. And, and the best thing about those is that they also have clinical studies in there. So you okay. can see like, okay, hey, we're in a phase two trial. We have over a thousand participants and so-and-so is trying this and this is working and we've been seeing these results. So that actually would tell you like, hey, it helps sometimes because you're not the only person dealing with this. Yes, definitely. You know, I think it comes down to a lot. You're wondering like, why is this happening? And, you know, even back to social media and um, 
your mental stability when you see everything every only thing depicted on social media is what's good mm-hmm. you know? so you're if you get into a, a feeling that oh this is not working for me it's literally only me it becomes really rough and you don't ever want to feel alone so yeah i think that would be the best search engines to go through and just stay positive as you can awesome do you have any closing thoughts or remarks that you would like to say before we close out um, this episode? Um, honestly, keep doing this. Like, <laughs> this is actually like, it's really good, especially in the good communities and whoever you can reach out to because knowledge is power and the lack of education is kind of like what keeps us at a standstill. And when it comes to like healthcare, especially like people are so, so afraid of the doctor. Yes. Don't the doctor because I'm just going to tell you the worst information ever. <laughs> <laughs> and like, that's not the truth. Like, stop eating the apples. Don't keep me away. Like, I am here and we're all here to help. Um, if you ever have an issue with your doctor, with your physician, you can always get a second opinion. Right. Like, don't take anything that any one of us say. We're all humans. And take, get, a second, get a second opinion. I'll even tell some people to get a second opinion just because I want you to feel as comfortable in your position as possible. Perfect. Yes, thank you so much for that. Um, And I appreciate you taking the time to join me on this episode. I know you are very, very busy. Um, So I thank you for um, taking the time to be here. And it may not be the last time that I tap you on the shoulder and be like, hey, can you come on and talk about this um, subject? So thank you again for um, taking the time to be with us. Oh, anytime, anytime. You are family. Thank you. So thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode and we will catch you on the next one. Ciao. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Infertility Podcast. Be sure to connect with me via social media. You can find me on Instagram at I am Danielle Joseph or on Facebook, Master Mentor and Minister. Or you can visit my website which is www.iamdaniellejoseph.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.